Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in the plush, luxurious Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom. Yeah, we are... uh, we're having a good time today. You know, I got to tell you, it is a great privilege for us week in and week out to come to you and bring the Word of God. And so I just want to say thank you. We are so grateful. Uh, we're grateful for those of you that support us with your emails and your prayers and uh, your comments and uh, for sharing on social media, for donating uh, through the website. We are just so grateful for all that you guys have done um, and also for listening, I mean, and, and spreading the news because the Torah is relevant to believers today. And uh, for that, uh, I'm very grateful. So we are um, going into the three weeks of affliction very soon. Now, what is the three weeks of affliction? It is the three weeks in between the golden calf incident, which this year um, happens to start on July 8th. And then it goes all the way through to the 9th of Av, which happens to be July 29th. So it's three weeks from the 8th of July to the 29th of July, and uh, the three weeks in between are are in yellow on our uh, biblical color-coded calendar, and uh, the yellow means that it is a season of caution. And so all that really means is, hey, we don't have any feast days going on, right? We don't have anything that uh, where we all get together other than the Shabbat on a weekly basis to uh, really keep us plugged into the Lord and focused. And so it's a time where during the summer months, we want to be especially cautious be doing our spiritual exercises, praying, reading our word, uh, and uh, and also worshiping God, uh, doing all those things to press in, uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and dwelling uh, with God during this time. So it's important to stay alert and sober and vigilant. And so now it's not something that you should be afraid of. It's not something where, you know, hey, bad stuff's going to happen. It just historically, lots of bad things have happened, especially on the 9th of Av. Um, but again, it's just something that we need to be um, you know, just alert and in prayer and focused uh, during this time that's coming up. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump right into the Torah portion. This week we are studying the Torah portion Pinchas, which is Phineas, and uh, that is found in the book of Numbers, starting in chapter 25 and verse 10 and ending in chapter 30 and verse 1. Wow, this is good. So once again, the book of Numbers, the journey to God's rest land or promised land. Uh, Once again, this book is broken up into three parts. I just can't stress this enough to all of you that, of course, we are looking at uh, Numbers chapter 22, verse 2, all the way through chapter 36 of Numbers is the third part uh, to this book of Numbers. And the geographical place is at Moab. It's at the gate to the land. And here we have new problems, final preparations, and concluding tasks. This all takes place within a few months. You know, it's interesting. What a small timetable there because the second part uh, took place uh, within about 39 years. So a few months, uh, and they're going to be going into the promised land. Uh, Three key words found in the book of Numbers is service, war, and wilderness. 
so once again, we're in uh, the third part of this book, At the Gate to the Land, and we are, of course, moving forward. Uh, we go right into uh, Numbers chapter 25, uh, verses 10 through 18. Uh, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and read that? I will, I will, I will read it. Here's, here's a plot <laughs> unfolding, it's, that's why we're going to read it. All right, so, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore, say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianitish woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianitish woman that was slain was Cosby, daughter of Zer. He was head over the people and of a, um, of a chief house in Midian. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague of Peor's sake. For Peor's sake. So here we go. Now we're getting into the, uh, the main plot here. Uh, so what really took place? Uh, Balak sends for Balaam. Uh, there's a conspiracy because Balak is the king of the Moab. And we have the elders of Midian. And so they're coming together to thwart and put an end to Israel to curse them, to stop them. Because once again, geographically speaking, Moab is uh, south of the camp of Israel. To the north of Moab would actually be the encampment of Israel. And they're right there on the plains of Moab, uh, right there near the uh, Jordan River, across from the city of Jericho. So once again, they had to go around Edom and Moab, and they're setting up camp right there. They had great victories up north with uh, Bashan and, and Og and all that. Uh, they conquered those particular uh, territories and leaders. And so now they're getting ready to go centrally into the land of Israel, to the central part of Israel. And as we look at this, we see that uh, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, turned back the anger of the Lord. He is, of course, a third generation, okay, because Phineas's father was Eliezer, whose father was Aaron. So once again, we have three generations here. And, uh, of course, God says, I'll make a covenant of peace with Phineas or Pincus. And we're seeing this story unravel. Once again, uh, Balaam could not curse Israel. He blessed them three times. He set up, uh, you know, altars and, and sacrifices. And, and he could only pronounce the things that God gave him to pronounce. And, of course, we find that... He could not curse them, and Balak was very upset and disappointed. But what Balaam did do is he showed Balak how Israel could curse themselves, because a curse does not come without a cause. So he says, send your beautiful daughters in there, beautiful women in there, let them commit sexual immorality and worship other gods, and then that will bring on the curse. So self-explanatory, once again, nobody can curse you, nobody can harm you or hurt you. Uh, but I'll tell you what you can do, you can curse yourself. You can fall into a trap. And so we have, of course, uh, with this great act of, of, of Phineas, the two names of the, of the people that Phineas killed were Zimri, the son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites, and Cosby, the daughter of Zer. He was head over a people and of a chief house in Midian. 
So where does Midian come from? But Abraham and I believe Keturah mm-hmm. uh, had the son Midian. And of course, we know that uh, that is the modern day country of Saudi Arabia today. So we see a lot of different ethnic groups fighting right now. We see a lot of different ethnic groups throughout the world and even the Middle East. And this is no different. And so now all of a sudden, uh, there's going to be this retaliation now because God wants his people in the promised land to uproot those wicked people that are in his land. He wants righteous people in the land. Think about that. That's why he wanted his people in the land to remove those that were wicked. Once again, the devil loves to have wicked people in the land of Israel. Uh, He loves to have terror and killing and murdering and, and knife attacks. He just lives for that, you know. And uh, even if you look at the prophecy that was given to Ishmael, his hand would be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And, and even right now, the PLO movement is in trouble, the government. They're saying the whole thing could shut down and Hamas would take over the whole thing. So once again, you know, don't exchange evil for evil, but evil's coming. Evil's there. And so uh, this is what the Lord said in, in Numbers 25, verses 16 through 18. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian, their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. Now, I want you to think about how wicked these leaders are of Midian or Moab. They send their beautiful daughters into the camp to be prostituted. Ugh. Ugh. Boy, that's not the bride of Christ. Think about it. Isn't no. that, that's just sick. Now, I want to just share with you these three words. There's vex, wiles, and beguiled in, in the Old Testament. Okay, So what's this word vex? It's zarar. It means to cramp, become an adversary, besiege, distress, enemy. So we need to become the enemy of sexual immorality. We need to become the enemy uh, of, of Satan. And so he's saying, I want you to vex these men. I want you to cramp them, get up on them, you know, just, just attack them, just go after them, you know, make it difficult for them. Just come alongside them, show them who's boss. Uh, this means an adversary, you know. And then, of course, that's the word vex is, is zarar. But then we also have, uh, or, or tasar. What does it say? Sarar or Tassar. Uh, this next word for wiles is nekel. Nekel means deceit. Okay, some people have hidden motives and different things. There's a lot of scams out there and different things going on. So nekel for wiles is the word deceit. It means to, it, it's deceit. Lastly, this word is beguiled. Uh, it's nakal. Uh, to defraud, act treacherously, conspire, or deceive. So see, the intentions were to have Israel commit sexual immorality and worship other gods, and that was their intention. That's right. And they, and they, and they pulled it off. Yeah, they sure did. Um, you know, actually, in the next Torah portion, so not in this Torah portion, but in the next Torah portion, it confirms that it was Balaam that gave them the insight to be able to do this, um, that they knew what they were doing, and they did it on purpose, that this wasn't just a happenstance that these people went through and did this. And so I think a lot of times when we look out into the world and we see things going on that are um, just like, how can this happen? Or this seems really uh, risque, or this seems like this, like Super Bowl uh, halftime shows or things like that that are, are kind of time stamps or, or, or markers within uh, culture that are pushing you know, progressively towards more wickedness, towards more occult, towards more uh, immorality. Um, it's not by accident. It's by design. Um, this is this is a, a concerted effort to to bring down the ways of God and the people of God. That's good. You know, there's actually a Greek word for that, and actually, it's in the New Testament when when 
Paul warns the church of Corinth, uh, it's, it's, it's a Greek word, methodia. He has a method. Yeah. So the question is, how has Satan beguiled God's children today and been successful with his wiles? So, you know, how has Satan beguiled God's children today and been successful with his wiles? Uh, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Uh, these are the three lies from Satan uh, in regards to Adam and Eve and to Eve. Uh, in regards to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. First of all, he tells her, you will not die, you know, if you eat from this tree. God said you would die. He says, no, no, you're not going to die. He's basically saying, man, if you eat from this tree, you're going to have immortality. You're going to be immortals, you know, not mortal, but immortal. Uh, immortality, you're going to live forever if you eat from this tree. That's why he's trying to hold back from you, you know. And that's another thing that he tries to do. Oh, you get to eat from all these trees, but this one, why is God holding back? You know, think about it. So number one, uh, immortality, that you won't die. Number two, he, he lies, because that's what he is. He's the father of lies. You'll have enlightenment. You're going to know stuff. Yeah. You're going to be knowledgeable and info, right? You're going to have Siri <laughs> on your phone. You're going to have what? Rabbi Google? Rabbi Schmoogle. Rabbi Schmoogle. Schmoogle. Whatever that is. So, so once again, we do live in the information age, but, but think about it. You're going to be enlightened. Yeah. You're going to be so smart, Mr. Smarty Pants. I would also say within the church, there's a lot of deception from a doctrinal standpoint. I mean, just the, the presence of this podcast being, hey, the Torah is relevant for today. The Torah is relevant for today. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to say it and help people understand it, um, but... We, we should all be screaming it from the rooftops, not that, hey, you need to be doing this, but more so that, hey, these are loving instructions from a father. This is the gift of grace in our lives that God has said, hey, he's done this to warn us. I mean, the law of God is perfect, you know, converting the soul, right? Um, just point people to, to you know, Psalms 19, yeah, be, verse be 7. Yeah, be confident, be passionate about your own personal life, you know? So so this is what Satan has done. He, he says, oh, you're not going to die if you eat from that tree, right? And yeah. then, of course, he uh, he says, oh, you're going to be enlightened. You're going to have knowledge. Well, last but not least, he says, you shall be as God. That's right. What? Now, now here's the thing, you know, this is very interesting because in, in of course, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, it says, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste version to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So there he's, he's up to his own little shenanigans again. There he is. I'm going to have uh, Ryan read 1 John 2. Verses 15 through 17. So once again, the, the three major problems that we have today that we can find, uh, first of all, in the Garden of Eden with, with the serpent, basically what the, what the problem is today is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And what would, what would I'm entitled fall under? Pride of life. Entitlements. You know, so first John chapter two, verses 15 through 17, John, the beloved uh, John, the, the apostle is going to going to share uh, this concept. This is the disciple that Jesus loved. That's right. The beloved, the beloved love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Wow. You know, I was just looking at this. I just got my little notes here. Um, this is interesting. 
to, to seduce holy or deceive, right? That's that's what we're looking at. Uh, trickery or craftiness, you know. Exopateo, this is actually found in when he's talking to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, how Eve was beguiled. Uh, it's the Greek word exopateo, to seduce holy or deceive. You know, this is what we do to ourselves. And then the subtlety uh, is, of course, trickery or craftiness. So this is what we're up against, everybody. And, and so this is something that we need to know, that we need to be aware of uh, in order to figure it out, you know, to be the bride of Christ. So I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. We're going to get into uh, Numbers chapter 26, uh, the second census. He's going to hit us with the, uh, some of the questions here and the answers. Uh, once again, we're going to go into a second census now. Now we're going to take a count. And by the way, they just had a plague and 24,000 people died in that plague. Yeah. Boy, isn't that relevant for today? Half a million people have died because of coronavirus. Yeah, worldwide. Boy, I don't think nothing is by chance. I think it's it's not a coincidence. So let's go into the second census. Ryan's going to share that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, now we're into uh, Numbers chapter 26, the second census. And uh, what did the Lord tell Moses and Eliezer to do in verse 2? To take, take a census. Take a census. And we're in right. a census. Look at that. The it's year a of the census. Year. A plague and a census. Wow. Uh, you, you know, this isn't relevant. It's just a coincidence. Wow. So all that were counted were from 20 years old and upward throughout their father's house, all that are able to go to war in Israel. So this is who's counted, is everyone that's 20 years old and up, all that are able to go to war. And so the people are counted right there where they're at, which is in the plains of Moab. The plains of Moab. So, um, were the children of Korah still alive after their father's death? Yes, they were. You know, what's interesting about the children of Korah is that Korah died, and you would think that this uh, would affect his whole house, but his uh, his family survived and wrote, I, I want to say it's, a, what, 11 Psalms? If you look, it's, it's actually Psalms 42 through 49. Okay, seven Psalms, you know, yeah, seven or eight Psalms. Um, so they did. They, they wrote um, the Psalms that are, are called the, the Psalms of the Sons of Korah. And, um, you know, they're also recorded as, as doing some, some other things as well um, in, in making it past that. And so I think that, that should be encouraging to people that, you know, maybe you have some things in your family line that aren't great. Maybe you have some rebellion or some Iniquity sin. Iniquity is handed down. Right. And, uh, and you can be the one that stands in the gap and says, no, from this point forward, this family line is going to be blessed and that you can bless your family for a thousand generations um, because of, of your faithfulness. And so somebody's got to do it. Why not you? Amen. So let's get into some details of the census. Um, the tribe with the greatest decrease in the second census, so from the first census, which was in Numbers chapter 1, till now in Numbers chapter 26, Simeon had the greatest decrease. In the first census, Simeon had 59,300 from 20 and up. And in the second census, he had 22,200. That's a big decrease. Wow. That's a 35,000, 37,000 person decrease, right? That's a lot. That is a lot. So um, the tribe with the greatest increase, come on, somebody, is uh, Manasseh, Manasseh, right? Yeah, Manasseh. Son of Joseph. Um, in the first census, they're counted with 32,000 200 from 20 and up. And in the second census, uh, 52,700. Nice little increase there, 20,000. It is. It is. It's a, it's a good 20,000 increase. Um, almost the same, you know, just a little less, obviously, than the decrease of Simeon. But, um, you know, talk about 
holding the line, right? Simeon had a giant decrease, and Manasseh, you know, two-thirds of the way made up for it. Um, and so the total number of people that were counted in the second census is 601,730, which is, uh, what, 2,000 less? Well, the original first census was 603,550, so I don't have my calculator. but Yeah, so it's about 2,200 or so, right? you think you would increase. One would think that over the course of 40 years, the population would grow. But they were in the wilderness. And let's just say that based on the stories that we've seen, if those are just a sampling of what happened while they were in the wilderness for 40 years, and the fact that God said, this entire generation will die in the wilderness, um, you know, that obviously came to pass. The entire generation is gone because they, they barely uh, maintained the population size. And so here's a, a good discussion question for you. Why were there more people in the first census than in the second census? And how is that relevant for today? I have two answers. Well, let's hear them. I would say that not everyone practices obedience the way that they should. Uh, I would agree with that. So once again, if you're not obedient, then you're going to slip away, fall away, yeah. and not be counted. So not everyone practices obedience um, at, the, at the same level. Um, not everyone practices obedience the same way. So also, I would say that, uh, and I brought this up earlier, uh, I, I would say that in the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement, it's like a novelty in the beginning. Yeah. Hey, that's kind of cool, you know, and everything. Uh, and come to find out, it's actually a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and I know that uh, we've had many uh, people come through Beit Tehillah and do Shabbat only because we were having services, but they weren't keeping it themselves. Right. So just something right. to think about, you know, and that's why I always encourage people, you know, practice your faith. Sure. You know, if you want to go to Sunday church, you go to Sunday church. Yeah. If you want to do Shabbat and have Shabbat services, then do that. But yeah. make up your mind, you know, because everyone's given a measure of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Was it, so, is it James that says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? That's tough. It is tough. But he, you know, it's... Well, only the half-brother of Jesus wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, um... Obviously, with the decrease in the population, um, it can be very frustrating. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, Pastor mentions uh, that, that the Hebrew roots can be a novelty. There's a lot of people that see it as academic. Um, there's a lot of people that see the Bible and their faith as academic. Oh, isn't that a neat story? Isn't that cool? Isn't that quaint? Is that enlightenment? Um, Eating from that tree? It, it can be. I think if somebody's truly enlightened... Does it say he's going to write to our minds... And heart? Yeah. But you got to get it that 18 inches from the brain to the heart. Oh. And some people, it's an even shorter distance than 18 inches. You know, I mean, some people are a little shorter than I am, and uh, it should be a little easier to get it from their head to their heart. But um, we know that that's not the case. Um, but disobedience is sin. Sin is disobedience, right? And so when you come to the knowledge uh, that something is required of you and then you neglect to do it, that's disobedience. And so it's just important to recognize that whenever possible, let's be obedient. Let's be conscious of being obedient. Let's do the things that we can do. Uh, one of the great things about the Torah is that God has given us a lot of low-hanging fruit, like the counting of the Omer. I mean, hey, today is day whatever, right. you know? I mean, Up what a 50. what a what oppression this God of Israel puts on his people, you know? So there, it's, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that God gives us. Um, I think the biggest things is our propensity to sin and battling that. But, you know, the Holy Spirit will empower you not to sin. The Holy Spirit will give you power 
not to sin. And you know, it says this, the, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, so the Holy Spirit will help you avoid sin. It'll help you live righteously and make good decisions. And I, I firmly believe that that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do from a, a main standpoint. So um, moving on. So the land was going to be divided for an inheritance according to the number of names. So this is the number of uh, the tribes. And this is in Numbers chapter 26 and verse 53. And so now that they've got the count, now they know that they're going to start splitting up the lamb. The lamb was going to be divided among the tribes by lot. Have another cup of coffee. So they were going to cast lots. And, uh, and, and by casting of the lots, they were going to decide who gets what uh, areas. And so, uh, how old did you have to be among the Levites to be counted in the second census? Oh, only from a month old and upward. upward. That's right. A month old and upward. So the, all the 12 tribes got their own census, right? And then the Levites were counted separately, and they were counted from a month old and upward. And the total number of Levites counted in the second census was 23,000. And the total number of Levites counted in the first census was 22,000. So they increased by 1,000. That Numbers don't lie. They increase by 1,000. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So let's check out... Uh, we need to check this out. This is the law of inheritance. Uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to do any more reading. But uh, this is very interesting, you know, as we pursue and, and walk in the Hebrews of the Christian faith. Check this out. So, so Ryan, what five women came before Moses requesting a share of the inheritance? Well, thanks for asking. It's Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcha, and Tirzah. See, we're not the only family that names our children after Ah. I got Josiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah yeah. Micah, Hadassah, Adea, Briella, Eva, Eva, and the eighth one's coming. Uh, do we have a name? Oh, this tour portion is so <laughs> relevant. Did it say five women, the five daughters? I'm going to have a fifth daughter. You are going to have a fifth so daughter. So what tribe were the five women from? Uh, they were from Manasseh, the son of Joseph. Yeah. And so there were no sons of Zelophehad, who was from the tribe of Manasseh. He had no sons. So the Lord said to Moses to give the five daughters an inheritance within their own tribe. Numbers 27, 7. So here's the, here's the, the, the lowdown. The five daughters would marry into their own tribe of Manasseh to get their inheritance. This is so interesting because my daughter Hadassah is my firstborn daughter. She is the one that is supposed to go to Israel next. Oh yeah, she won't let me live it down. She won't. She won't let up. She's gonna enjoy it. She's too. ready to go. She's old enough to where like she could probably go on a trip with you and just help you with stuff. You know what I mean? So once again, if you think about the parents and the kids, like the, like Hayovel, they have of course three generations in the land right now. Oh yeah, that's right. And they got over thirty grandchildren on Mount Gerizim. So if you're wanting about prophecies. Oh my gosh, they're not only fulfilling them, they are living them. Yeah, wow. That is awesome. So here's the, here's the, the group, uh, group discussion that we like to do in our little circles, but how far are you willing to go to be obedient in receiving your inheritance, Ryan? I got to tell you, this how is... How far are you willing to go? This is a great question. I'm willing to do what God has called me to do. That's good. And here's what I believe. I believe if we do what God has called us to do, then our inheritance will take care of itself. No, that's good, Ryan. That's good. And you know, when we let go of something, we get something. So I'm going to have Ryan read a few verses here, but, but check this out. So, so I know within the promises of God, there is a divine assurance of good. Okay. 
So epigelia? I know within the promises of God, yeah, there is a divine assurance of good, epigelia. So let's read Galatians 3.29, Ryan, if you could just read that. I mean, that. I could say it from memory. Well, I mean, no. I'd like for you to get into it. Just so I'll we, go find it. Just so we, we get the quote exactly right. Oh, I mean... <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, all right, all right. All right, Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 29 says, And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So remember now, think about the land, everybody. You know, God promised Abraham the land. And if you're in Christ, you're the seed of Abraham, then you're promised land too. So think about those people coming out of the nations that want the land and would love to live in the land or have a, a piece of the land. And that's just something to think about. Check out Romans 9, 8, Ryan. Oh, that's got to be one of my favorite books, Romans. So everybody's debating over this whole, you know, lineage, genealogies. And actually, Paul said, don't don't argue over the genealogies, okay? Because we're, we're a spirit, soul, and a body. We're a homo sapien. We're a human being here. And we're all, we're all you know, three parts, one being. But Romans 9, what does it say? It says, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So I want you to think about this egg, like this promise is like encapsulated. And inside this promise are all the good things of God. And so it's like the carrot on the stick. People are trying to attain to it, you know, and that's what it's all about. Hey, God, God thinks the land's a big deal. The land, you know, belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, we don't own the land. God owns the land. It's his land. And so the nations are trying to divide it and tell the Jews they can't live there. It's absurd. Yeah, what a joke. So we go by what the word of God says. And so this is something that uh, we all need to, uh, to consider. So as we begin to develop this now, you know, there's going to be a change of leadership. Uh, did Moses want God to set a man over the congregation? Yes, yes, he yes. Did. So the Lord picked Joshua, the Ephraimite, the son of Nun, to succeed Moses. Numbers twenty-seven, eighteen. So, so Joshua is an Ephraimite. He's mature. He's responsible. And here's a guy that was in Egypt in slave labor. Here's a guy that was in the wilderness. And here's a guy going into the promised land. So that's a picture of this generation today that, yes, we were in the world. We came out of the world, which represents Egypt. Come out of the world. Come out of Egypt. And, of course, we all have our journeys. We've all had our test trials and tribulation, and we've tripped up and we've fallen. But we're, we're moving towards something greater than ourselves that God wants to give us. Uh, so once again, the, 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 the priesthood was actually leading the people, uh, which is Moses, the Levitical priesthood, the Levites. And now... This is very important. The leadership is going to change from Levitical to Ephraimite. Say what? So that's what I'm saying. And Joshua was set before Eleazar the priest. All the congregation and Moses laid his hands upon him to give him a charge. Okay, so what's interesting is as we develop this story, uh, we know that Joshua is going to succeed Moses. Uh, the question is, and I'm going to answer this, and I'm going to throw it over to Ryan for his insight. Why is it important to have a successor when it comes to leadership? Why is it important? You know, uh, my personal testimony is this. Uh, I, I can relate to Joshua. My father-in-law was like a Moses. Um, basically, um, we were able to purchase five acres that he pursued, that he saw, that God showed him. And uh, and we pursued these five acres and, and uh cleaned it out and everything, and, and he saw it, and he wanted to build something here for uh, our own church from, from ground up, ground zero. So, so once, once again, uh, we started this, this thing, started rolling in this area. But my father-in-law had me ordained 
in April of 2002. So in 2002, he wanted to ordain me. And he says, we're going to ordain you. And I said, you know, because I was the worship leader and everything. I'm just telling you my testimony here. And so I said, okay, you know, and so I was ordained in front of the congregation and, and everything. And my wife and I, even under a hoopah and all this cool stuff, the tallit. And so what was interesting was in June of that same year, my father-in-law, Pastor Randy, was diagnosed with cancer and went to be with the Lord on November 17th, 2002. So think about this, Ryan. I'll be celebrating 18 years of being the senior pastor at Beit Tehillah this year, this November. It's, it's by God's grace and mercy, Ryan, that I've made it this far. His empowerment, his, he, he needs to receive all the glory. And I share that story with you because it's so important in the times in which we live. Uh, matter of fact, there's prophecies that say that God will raise up pastors after his own heart. And so I really appreciate those prophecies as well. So I can really kind of relate to this. So there's a lot of people in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement that don't believe in the Moses model. Uh, it's kind of a free for all, let a bunch of elders run it. But at the end of the day, I don't think you're going to get much done. Yeah. I'd well, like to see any kind of success with that. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they have a bunch of elders run it. I think they have like a committee and then the oh. committee like runs it together without any single per point person, you know, kind of, it's, they don't, I don't have checks and balances beside the point. Um, do you know what the number 18 is in, uh, in like special numbers? I'm not sure. I, it, know, it, I know. It's the numerical value for chai, life. life. 18 is the number for life. That's, I got so much to look forward to this You November. really do, man. I Hopefully you. Trump will get reelected. <laughs> tell me about it. Oh my God. And I'll celebrate 18 years. Yeah. Well, man, I'll tell you what, I don't even know. Um, so it's important to have a successor. Uh, for a myriad of reasons. But I think if your vision is big enough, then you'll understand that the vision is bigger than you are. And I think a lot of people try to keep the control and try to hold it, kind of bring it to themselves. And uh, ultimately, you have to cast vision and let the next generation take it so that the next generation or the generation after that will carry that vision forward. Um, and so that's why it's important to have a successor when it comes to leadership, because you can't you can't do it all by yourself, first of all, and from a delegation standpoint. But second of all, for it to continue into posterity, it, um, you have to have a successor. And, you know, um, you know Paul, Paul shares about the church government, you know, and that's what we're doing here at Beit Tehillah. We have a, a, a group of leaders, I think around 20, but we are developing our ministries and our leadership and, and, and accountability and things. But I want to read this verse in, in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Oof. So we're seeing lawlessness in the streets today. No regard for the police or military or anything like we're seeing a a, a, a spirit of lawlessness sweeping this nation. And I, I believe God's going to clean it up. I really do. I believe that it's going to, you know, I think it's, I don't think it's going to get worse. I think there's going to be an awakening and those that have the spirit of God and the authority of Yeshua HaMashiach, we're supposed to pray in his name. So right now, Father, we just pray in Yeshua's name for that lawless spirit to leave our streets Amen. of America right Hallelujah. now. And we pray for your kingdom to manifest and your glory to manifest right now, Father, uh, in this nation and all over the world. And, uh, and we know, Father, uh, that you're, you're going to do it. And so we want to thank you. Uh, and we pray for those that are in leadership and civil authority and spiritual authority. We lift them up to you right now, Father. Rise up and be responsible and confident and lead many to righteousness in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. All right, so moving right along, uh, we're going into Numbers chapter 28 now, and we're going to get into laws for offerings, laws for offerings. Um, you know, I love how, how they break it up and uh, throughout the book of Numbers, how some things will happen and you'll have like a little story or whatever. Um, in this case, we had the plague that ended the last, yeah. um, last tour portion. The circumstance, yeah. Then you have something in between. And then what do you always do? You always top it off with some offerings. Let's go over the offerings again. What do you bring into the Lord? <laughs> All right. So what animal sacrifice was offered in the morning and the evening? A lamb. So every day, <laughs> morning and evening. <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? It wasn't bad. I can work on it. Yeah. But that's enough of you that. You know, I wake up to that sound. Yeah, you do. I do. I wake up to that sound. But they're goats. Yeah, they're hungry. Yeah, they're different than a lamb. They are a little bit. Um, there was a special sacrifice made for the beginning of each month on Rosh Chodesh, a.k.a. the new moon. Uh, the 14th day of the first month is the Feast of Passover, and so obviously they had the lamb sacrifice at that point. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is celebrated for seven days, and there was a special offering for the Feast of First Fruits, all of that being during that same week of Passover season. Um, and so what did they blow in the seventh month on the first day? Trumpets. Shofar. <laughs> Man, you are Mr. Sound Effects today. Uh, a little bit, you know. Special effects brought to you by That's Pastor right. Nick Plummer. <laughs> you know, we, everybody should have a special effects team. You have to do it. Absolutely. You have to. <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? Um, all right, so what did you afflict in the 10th day on the 7th month? And uh, were you allowed to work on this day? You afflict your soul and you are not allowed to work on this day. It's about corporate forgiveness Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That's right. And so, obviously, the first day of the seventh month being Yom Teruah, the Day of Blowing, the Day of Trumpets, also uh, known in uh, traditional Jewish circles as Rosh Hashanah, which is uh, the head of the year, the civil new year, not to be mistaken with the biblical new year, which is on Nisan 1, uh, the, you know, 15 days before, 14 days before Passover. And so, uh, Pastor Nick, why don't you go ahead and read chapter 29 and verse 12 for us. Oh, thank you. You're going to let me read. I, I like that little, I am. I am gonna let little you reversal read. of roles here. <laughs> and on the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work, and you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. Wow, that's, a, that's the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what that is. And, uh, of course, this convocation is the Mikra. The Mikra. It's a public assembly. We're commanded to come together. You know, when people say, well, uh, does it say I have to go to church? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. Every week, Shabbat, you yeah. know. So that's what we have. And, of course, during the Feast of Tabernacles in the seventh month, there was a sacrifice performed each day for seven days. And a solemn assembly was held on the eighth day, and no work could be done on this day, the eighth great day. Remember, Yeshua cried out. That was the day where they had the water libation ceremony because they're going to pray that there would be some uh, rain on their crops as they would do a planting time there. Once again, a solemn assembly was held on the eighth day, and no work could be done on this day. And uh, that's really good. And so, Ryan, we're going to close it out here. So how has the Lord's feast days uh, changed your life? When did you start celebrating Shabbat? What year? Uh, I started celebrating the Shabbat in 2014, I believe. So Wow, six years. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That's a long time. You know, I, I, I've had the feast since 19... 19- 95, but um, wow, six years of having the feast. So there's no going back, right? You're going to keep celebrating the feast. We haven't missed a Shabbat since then. So since the first Shabbat, which it's a funny story. My wife made pork chops on that first Shabbat. 
I mean, you know, you can share that story. Just, it's okay. Just well, I mean, it's just a little, uh, just a little funny. You, you don't have to listen. It's fine. It, well, it was it was one of those things where it was our first Shabbat. We were just you know we already had the meat. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, we hadn't really figured it all out yet, as you oh, can imagine. No. And let that be encouraging to some of you that that uh, this is a progressive revelation, right? That's God, right. God is going to walk you through this by the hand, and uh, and everything's going to be okay. All right, everything's going to be just fine. So. Um, but the feast have changed my life, uh, the Shabbat especially. But um, I remember when I was struggling very much with the, you know, Paul's letters, and I'm reading them, and I'm just trying to figure all this out. And uh, I'm over at, um, you know, uh, the Postpacal's house, and uh, the Attilies family is there with us, and they just, you know, I'm going back and forth with them, and they don't really have any, any. Answers that are scholarly enough for me. Let's just I say I had a little bit of haughtiness. Yeah, you're bringing it. I was a little bit. A you, little, were, you were ready to go. I don't know that anybody's going to give me any answer that was going to really fit for me. <laughs> Except Eddie said this. This is what Eddie Attili said. Eddie said that um, you know you'll know it by its fruit. You're either going to do it, and you're going to, and it's going to bear fruit, or it's not going to bear fruit, and then you can move on with your life. And he said those words to me. <laughs> that's, some, that's some revelation. And let's just say I'm sitting here today. <laughs> some wisdom. <laughs> preaching that the Torah is relevant for today. Because you got fruit. So, yeah. So we know we know what happened there. Um, you know, at this point, I've spent a lot of time in apologetics for the Hebrew Roots movement, for the relevance of Torah and all that. And so now I've, I've kind of got that under my belt, and I'm very thankful for it. But... Um, um, it's it's absolutely just added a level of fullness to my walk with God um, that I can't describe to you in words because I think that God gave us the feast days and he gave us the commandments because there's another language and it's the language of action that he uses to speak to us and he uses the feast days and the Shabbat and his commandments to, to teach us, and not just teach us in our brains, but teach us in our hearts, you know? And also, we'll be celebrating the feasts in the millennium with Yeshua, so that's that's another thing, you know. And these feast days keep us out of trouble, keep us focused, you know. So uh, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Pincus, Phineas, Numbers chapter 25 and verse 10, all the way through chapter 30 and verse 1, from a consensus of the group? I'm going to give you my two, Ryan, uh, that just stood out to me. They're two little quotes, two little sayings that really stand out. First of all, it's not how you start, but how you finish. I agree with that. That's a great quote. So, yeah, you could you could start strong and finish weak, or not even finish, or or vice but, versa. You could start, but you weak want to and, finish, okay? Strong, yeah. What did Paul say? You know, I have finished the race. I can say that I've done everything that God has told me to do up to this point, Ryan. Yeah. Am I perfect? No. Have I dropped the ball? Sure. But I feel in my heart. I have done everything that God has asked me to do up to this point, and he's asking more for me. As he asks, I'm going to do. So number two, I love this one. Everyone wants to be counted, but can you be counted on? You really like that saying, don't you? It is so perfect, though, you know? <laughs> like, pick me, pick me, okay, but can I count on you? Yeah, you but know? are you going to actually do it? You like the right. title, but are you going to do it? That's good. So that's that's my closing thoughts. God bless all of you that listen to this podcast. We love you. Yeah. We pray the Father's love on you, because that's really what we all really need right now. We need to know how much the Father loves us. Every one of you need the Father's love. And once you feel that love and get that love, it's like when my daughters hug me when I come in the door, you know, I feel the love of the daughters on me. How much more does the Father love you when you love him back? He says, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. At what age do they stop running to the door to greet you? When does that happen? 
I hope it never ends. Yeah. What I mean is like, you know, you're old, you've got some older kids. Yeah. My daughter Hadassah is a little older. She's, she doesn't like get up in my lap anymore. She's a lot bigger. <laughs> she's not, it's not. No. Yeah. See all That's my kids not... still beeline it to the door to come and greet me when I get home, which is kind of nice. Good. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can. I am enjoying it. So, uh, my two are this number one, always carry a spear just in case, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, let's uh, get right to the point. Yeah. And, uh, and in this case, you know, have the word of God in your mind and your heart so that whenever you need it, it's there for you. All right. You want to be sharp. You want to be sharp. You don't want to be lackadaisical about your faith. You want to know what you're talking about. You want to know why you believe what you believe so that when, when you encounter things that are not of God, that you have the scriptures hidden in your heart to protect you and to help those around you. It's righteous indignation. Amen. My second thing is be obedient. And your inheritance will take care of itself. I want you to. Oh, that's deep. I want you to imagine for a minute here. I think I'm going to write that down. I want you to imagine for a minute here. Say okay? that again. Be obedient, and your inheritance will take care of itself. Be obedient, and your inheritance will take care of itself. And I want you to imagine just for a minute in an alternate universe in the book of Numbers, where the numbers is very short, and it's just they obeyed and went into the promised land. So be <laughs> obedient, and your inheritance will take care of itself. That's right. Okay, just imagine that the people that or the spies that went over came back and said, hey, guess what? This is a great land flowing with milk and honey. There's some things we're going to have to take care of, but God's going to go before us and help us take care of it. And all the people went into the land and took care of it. That would have been a really short book of numbers, wouldn't it? Oh, yes. Their inheritance would have taken care of itself. I'm glad to get out of, we've got to get out of this book. Into Deuteronomy. <laughs> Not till It's just a downer, you know, it's like. And it's the next generation. They saw all of this. They had the answers to the test, I Ryan. I know. I know. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident in this, that if you do as God tells you to do, and that you seek first his kingdom, then all of these things will be added unto. He knows what you want. He knows the desires of your heart. He'll take care of it if you will be obedient. Amen? All right. Man, thank you guys for listening. We are, we are excited. Don't forget, we're going into the three weeks of affliction uh, coming up. And it's, uh, it's going to be very important for you guys to remember to, uh, to stay vigilant and sober, stay in the Word, stay prayer, in prayer, and, uh, and in worship. Also, uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, my email address is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net, ryan at topraise.net. Uh, the phone number here at the office, 813-654-2222. And you can live stream our services at topraise.net or on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and the like. And uh, also, don't forget, you can give... Uh, by clicking the donut, uh, donut, not the donut button, the donate button uh, on, uh, on our website at jepraise.net. Thank you, guys. We love you. Have a great week.